Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're back on Fantasy Sports today for this Tuesday, November 19th, recapping Monday Night Football. We'll also take a look at the 2020 first round in fantasy football, and another edition of Florida Man is on the way. Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And good afternoon and welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today, hosted by Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia. Sean Guastamacchia is producing this program. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizapia17. And of course, catch everything that we do right here on FNTSY Radio. And good afternoon. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that very exciting finish to Monday Night Football last night, which Joe Turned out to be a really good game, really good finish from a fantasy perspective. Did not give a lot of people the points that they were looking for, primarily, especially in that first half where it just seemed like the field in Mexico may have been some of a factor. But if I had to give you a possible scenario going into a game, you would have predicted, I think, almost the exact outcome of the way that that would have finished. Chargers will have the ball. They'll have it at the end of the game. Something bad will happen. Game will end and they will lose. It was only a matter of will they lose by... Uh, by three, four, six, and in this case, it turned out to be seven, which was bad news for me. But uh, hey, lesson learned. Everyone's got to get burned on the Chargers at some point this season. Last night was my turn. Yeah, that's right. Well, I continue to be the Charger Whisperer. I've now gone to, what is it? Is it eight and one or nine and one now? I got the one wrong two weeks ago, and I'm back on the horse since. So I am the Charger Whisperer. That field was uh, not good. And this is always my concern when I go to these places. It seems like seems like London's all right. Now, I don't remember early on with the London games, the field being an issue, but I don't see any issues when they go to London with the with the surface. But this game last night, certainly there were some issues with that. And that always concerns me because the last thing you want are these guys going to these places and getting hurt. And I know Tyree Kill came up lame and I was probably, just, yeah. you know, just a hamstring issue. But I don't know if you want to blame that on the surface, too, because you are running on the surface. So I don't know if that has something to do with it. The kind of cleats you're wearing, obviously, there's a lot of idiosyncrasies people don't realize about the surface and the footwear. I think more people realize it now, but I feel like perhaps it's an issue. And I and I don't know about you, Craig, but is this a concern for you when they travel to these places and do these one-off games that the actual ground that they're playing on is not necessarily what they're used to, number one, or up to snuff, number two? Yeah, I mean, last year they canceled the game because of it, and they right. said that it, it would be better this year, and it didn't look all that much better, but I don't think that that was a focus in the second half of the game. The no, second half was, of the game was, yeah, it was just more the focus of the play, which which mm-hmm. was good because the first half was more or less a dud, a lot of uh, you know ending drives and field goal kicking. So, uh, but look for me, you know, in terms of a takeaway, that was just a really monster win for the Chiefs to stay alive in the division yeah. because they you know have to win that. The Chargers season basically comes to an end, Joe, and then the thing that everybody in our field and in our job is talking about today is is the end here for Philip Rivers, which is a natural way to go. I mean, we are a reactionary and overreactionary group. But I think that it is fair to say at this point, at the very least, and he has had a great career for sure, but at the very least, the Chargers are going to have to have a backup plan, I think, going into next year if they decide that Rivers is still the guy. Very similar to Flacco in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, very similar to Dalton 
Unfortunately, they didn't really have a backup plan to Dalton, very similar to the Giants with Eli Manning. And I don't know that Rivers has deteriorated that much, Joe, but I would say, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to be a quick trigger on this one because there's still a lot of games left in the season and Rivers was leading the NFL in passing yards. So let me not go off the deep end with this. But I do think that the time has come, Joe, for the Chargers to draft a quarterback. And I think that that quarterback potentially could play some next year. I would agree with that sentiment. I, I do like the funny, uh, you know, the helmet turned around, little memes going around about Philip Rivers. Those are entertaining. He did throw four yeah. picks in this game. It's it's not four. been a good. Oh, my gosh. That end pick was like. Oh, yeah, I, I, mean, I know. And, and by the way, there was a lot. Of, I mean, I. Yeah, I, I was doing Little League again in the first beginning of the game. But when, when I did see the game, it was passing in the ground and hitting it off the guy's head on the other team. It just it didn't look no, sharp it's not at all. Good. It's not good. Yeah. I often yeah. wonder, too, you know, we, I've had this conversation on other shows of mine over the years of I always thought Phil Rivers was an outstanding quarterback who sometimes suffered from not always being on the best team or the best coach team or the you know other issues. And I often wondered, had he played in New York with some of those Giants defenses, how good he would have been and how many championships he would have had. And I think you look at careers and this is kind of why Eli Manning wanted to go where he wanted to go because his family all believe that the New York Giants organization, and at the time I think it was the right call, obviously, in retrospect, it's the right call too, that that was the path for him to be, I don't want to say a Hall of Fame quarterback, but in the discussion, he's got a couple rings. I mean, say what you will about Eli Manning, but a more successful career, whereas Phillip Rivers has a lot of stats. Phillip Rivers has a fair amount of wins. But Philip Rivers doesn't have that great playoff run. Philip Rivers doesn't have that Super Bowl appearance. And it's difficult when you play in the AFC, no doubt. They have run into Tom Brady more than once, that's for sure. His whole career Patriots. is running against Tom Brady. That's Pretty much. It. I mean, and that's, that's, and that's how you look at it with those, you know, the Patrick And Peyton Manning, Knicks. Joe. And Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning. He ran into Peyton Manning and he ran into a couple of Ravens teams and he ran for 15 into 15 years. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's harsh. It's very similar to the Jordan era of basketball. Those teams in the East. They were very good. They just never sniffed the finals because it was the Bulls every single year. But I think you're right. I think it is time for them to start looking forward. Uh, it would be fascinating if Tua really fell in a draft and he went in there and people were really concerned. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Probably yeah. what, go in the draft or fall that far? Uh, well, you know, now that there, I've seen a lot more diving into it, it, it seems like the, the slip would be to like the fifth pick or the sixth pick. If well, that, that was my assumption as well. But look, I think the things you take away from the season, if you're the Chargers or from a fantasy perspective, is Austin Eckler is a really good fantasy entity with Melvin Gordon, without Melvin Gordon, it doesn't matter. Let's see how that all shakes out. But I think Eckler has really proven any doubters wrong. I think that's one takeaway. Uh, and the rest of it is, you're right. I think it's time for Phillip Rivers to look elsewhere. We keep saying must-win game for the Chiefs, must-win game for the Chiefs. But you know what? It was because they keep putting themselves in this scenario to have these must-win games. And they won. It's not the greatest line for Mahomes, one touchdown, 182. The gaudy lines that we were used to last year, we got spoiled with. We haven't quite gotten this year. No, and no. I think we also realize when Tyree Kill is on the field, that's when Patrick Mahomes is at his best. And this season basically has been the story of the Chiefs is you cannot get Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes on the field healthy together for any extended period of time. And this is why they struggle week to week. Yeah. Yeah. And and they they always say that, oh, a good time for the bye, bad time for the bye. And I usually just don't pay any attention to that. I would say for Kansas City, this is a great time to have this bye week, to get Hill healthy, to get Mahomes more healthy, to fix their defense. And I could see Kansas City playing much better in the final few games of the season for sure. I, don't, I still don't think that they're a challenger to the top two teams because of the defense. But if there was ever a time to get it fixed and get Mahomes right and get Hill right, that was the case. I'll also say this about Rivers. The Pro Football Hall of Fame, and that's what also came up in the discussion. A lot of people online, oh, Rivers can't be a Hall of Famer. Oh, Rivers can't be a Hall of Famer. Well, you know what? In Major League Baseball, I'll say this. You're not guaranteed to put anybody in the Hall of Fame. You could have a season and a year where no one would get in. It happened a few years ago, and then baseball altered their thinking with that and then added this Veterans Committee and added the 80s classics and the 90s classics. So basically what they did was ensure that there would be a ceremony every year, which is smart. And every year, probably now, Joe, a player or two will get in. 
The Pro Football Hall of Fame puts five players in every single season. If you don't think eventually Philip Rivers is not getting in the Hall of Fame, you are kidding yourself. He may not get in the first try, the second try, the third try, the fourth try. But some of these dudes, Joe, they wait like 40 years and they eventually get in. He is 100 percent getting in the Hall of Fame. It's just going to it could be a long wait. But, Joe, he's getting in. And I don't know what these people are thinking when they when we start looking at potential quarterbacks to get in the Hall of Fame in the next 20 years that that of retired quarterbacks, who's getting in? Well, he's the opposite argument of certain guys who won more but don't have as good individual statistics. And I think I think you can look at Hall of Fame two different ways. You can look at the the guys who were good and won a lot and the guys who were great and didn't win a lot. And I think both are valid arguments. Depends on your perspective. Uh, but if I ask you right now, you were starting a football team over from scratch back in that same draft and you could have Philip Rivers or Eli Manning, what quarterback would you take? I mean, you could probably some people would say that Rivers had the better statistical career. I, but, I would but, say but that Manning, but Manning won two Super Bowls. No, but I'm, right? but I'm asking you if you were starting, you're an organization, you're starting fresh. Who do you knowing want? what I know now? I would have taken Manning knowing what I knew then I would have taken Rivers. OK, but you only but I'm saying is I feel like your your opinion of Eli is skewed by the winds. Don't skew it by the wind. Skew it by, yeah, what you saw skewed every by the wind. And, and Eli's getting in the Hall of Fame. And, and if he is, then Rivers is, too. Again, my point is, is that they they, they mandate five people get in. Right. And you're right. If and the Pro Football Hall of Fame did not mandate people getting in. I would say that there's a debate here. I mean, Kurt Warner got in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying that he was not a bad, a good quarterback. Well, Kurt Warner is a great example of that argument of the guy who won a he had lot. Three good years. He had three good years. He won a lot. MVP. I, I feel like football is more about cementing a legacy in memorable ways. And if of you do that, like is. Terrell Davis and Kurt Warner in a short period Same of time, thing. because the careers exactly. are shorter, it is much more valid than in baseball, where you have guys who are great for a short period of time and then fizzle out. You can't do that in baseball because the measurable statistics are so much longer and so much more detailed over 100 years. Yeah, again, it goes back to the same thing. Baseball, they have a ceremony, and you don't know if anyone's going to get in or not. Football, you know there's a ceremony, and five players are getting in. And players now wait sometimes 20, 30 years over the course of their lives to get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like, there's no expiration date there. So, I mean, eventually, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, whether you like it or not. We'll take a quick timeout. Opening drive is next on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe with you. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First Play from Scrimmage The Opening Drive The First Play of the Game From the Opening Play and all the way for a touchdown All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia here with you. It is the opening drive on this Tuesday afternoon, and welcome into the show. Thanks for listening. Let's get started with our first down discussion. We did get the final determination. Well, we think the final determination on Marlon Mack, the running back of the Indianapolis Colts, who I think we can all agree is a really good running back in the NFL. Has had a hard time staying on the field sometimes, but is a pretty much rock-solid RB2 in fantasy. Well, he will be out Thursday. He will probably miss another week, and then the question becomes... With the bucket of water basically poured on Jonathan Williams yesterday, do you believe that the coaching staff is saying it will be a split 
Or do you believe that Jonathan Williams should be the number one waiver pickup and should be added and started this week? Because, Joe, I got to tell you, I don't believe anything that these coaches are saying. No one told me Jonathan Williams was even on the, <laughs> in the, in the possibility <laughs> for play this week. So now you're going to tell me a guy that you didn't talk about at all is all of a sudden not going to play? I mean, are they going to tell me about Scarborough that too? I don't believe these coaches at all. I think Jonathan Williams is a great pickup, and my guess is that he's got a great chance to do some good things. Uh, I mean, the guy just ran for 100 yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Why wouldn't he be the main guy? I don't understand. Well, here's the other question, too. What do you have, like a dozen carries? He ran for 100 yards. So if he just has a dozen carries and someone else has 10, who's to say he can't be productive? Who's to say that that dozen doesn't equal 60 yards and a touchdown? What I'm saying is I I think in terms of waiver wire pickups, um, I think, you know, Scarborough is certainly in that conversation, too. A short week is always difficult. I would imagine also in the short week when you're looking at it that you, you figure, okay, Brissett's still not 100%. I don't care. Anybody tells me we're traveling on the road. I think running the football has got to be part of that game plan. Now, Hines is not a good look. I know Hines had a touchdown, but Hines has proven he's not that guy. So whether or not they want to work him more into the offense because they can now, because they have to now, that's different than whether or not Williams is worthy of a pickup. Williams is absolutely worthy of number one priority just based on potential volume and potential return. Even if that volume falls short, I can't imagine him still not being good enough that you could throw out there in a flex if you need to. I mean, I think that's the way you look at it. By week this week, you got the Cardinals. So not too much running back attrition there. you got the Chiefs. Not too much running back attrition there. Chargers. So you're missing Gordon and you're missing Eckler. And the Vikings are missing Dalvin Cook and Madison. So it's it's not a huge, it's not awful. You know, it's a couple guys, four guys maybe. So for some teams, Williams is very much in play in the flex. And especially with some of the other injuries like Devontae Freeman still figuring things out. I don't see why you wouldn't throw the waiver wire out there. Get him, play him, see what happens. And then if you get a good game on him, it helps you set your lineup the rest of the week. If you get a bad game on him, you know you need to go dig deep a little bit for some guys with a little bit more boom in their in their ceiling and start those guys. Yeah, I don't know what he'll do with the carries, but my guess is if I had to set a Vegas total on his carries this week, I'd put it at 15. I, th- I think that he's going to get a little bit more workload. If you pick him up, right. play him at, RB's, at RB2 slot because that will then give you a little flexibility in that flex spot if he bottoms out to play a guy that has, you know, the, you know, Miko Hardman type guy, you know, like the guy, if you need to like, oh, I need a, you know, daddy needs a new pair of shoes kind of, you know, you got to roll the dice on somebody do that mm-hmm. play him at the RB. That way you leave that flex open for a little bit of determination or and vice versa. Maybe he plays well. You go, okay, maybe I'll pivot to a Cole Beasley and just take a nice floor player this week. Right. Uh, okay. So uh, second down, Tyler Boyd basically popped off yesterday saying that he's upset that he's not seeing looks. He's not seeing targets. He's not seeing catches. Funny. We talked about that uh, on yesterday's show. He was given a contract extension. I mean, he wants to be the guy. I kind of like this. The only question I have from this, Joe, is that this year, at the very least, it seems when the receivers have complained the following week, Mm -hmm. they end up doing better. So does Mm -hmm. that mean that Boyd, I don't know, with Finley, though, does that mean that Boyd is a guy to keep an eye on this week because of this? Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? So far, it's been a very good trend, not just this year, but last year, too. When guys get out there and they publicly say, hey, what the hell, especially when we're losing football games. And they come out there and say, what the hell? Where's my ball? I need the ball. And he's right. He does need the ball. It was a joke. What do you have? Two targets? And it was ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, the, the difficult thing is, where's Minka Fitzpatrick in this game? What side of the field? Is he, you know, all this stuff, we got to figure this out against the Steelers. But I do think when you look at him, the ownership in DFS will be much lower this week. I, the the salary's low. The Steelers have played much better defensively. But I don't think it's impossible to think that Tyler Boyd can be useful and that Tyler Boyd can return double digits in a full point PPR again. So I would absolutely be throwing him out there in lineups again. I like that he popped off. He should pop off. Thank you on behalf of my fantasy teams, Tyler Boyd, for popping off. And I do think you see a bit of a correction. Is it a massive correction where he catches 10 balls? Probably not. But at the same time, can he catch six? Give me six for 85. Maybe a touchdown. Okay, I'm good with that. That works for me last time I checked. So this is a big positive, And I think you should feel good that he cares. That he's not sitting out there like some other guy saying, oh, I failed. Oh, well, ha, ha, ha. Like Brian Hill. Still mad about that. 
Yeah, he didn't have a good week for sure. Uh, and by the way, I predicted the tight end would score last week for. Oh yeah, uh, the blocking tight end, Stocker. Yeah, I don't think that Stoker. he was in the game. I don't even think he was in the he was game. There. He was blocking. You didn't notice him because he was blocking. blocking. Tight end. Yeah, I tried to tell you he was a blocking tight end. You don't want to hear oh, it. I, don't, I do not. Dwelly, it's all the dwelly you can handle. That's what you had last. I week. guess so. <laughs> all right, uh, third down. Danny Green on the Lakers. This is a funny story. On Sunday, he dunked for the first time all season. Uh, they said that he's got a total of 10 dunks his t- entire career, I guess. And then immediately after the game, because of the wild dunk, they're saying that he got drug tested after the game. Now, uh, look, I've heard some wacky things happen before, and obviously they're just trying to connect some dots here, Joe. But I thought that this was f- pretty funny to bring up. So does that mean that anybody that does anything wacky or good, we have to take a look immediately at what they're on? Uh, well, I actually had a good show on Sunday, and immediately after Cardano was waiting for me at the end of the desk with a with a little cop, and he was like, get in there. You were actually good this week. Get in there. Go, go you test yourself. Tested? I did. did. I did. Did you, did you come up positive for positive for pancakes, idiot. pancakes yeah. and eggs? Or pancakes <laughs> and eggs? Positive for a chocolate chip muffin. I believe that's, that's what I came up positive for. There this, you is, go. this is a coincidence, but funny. I mean, nonetheless, um, I don't I don't know too much about Danny Green, but uh, you know that that is kind of it is weird to me how you do get some players who come out publicly all the time and say when they get tested, and other players who say nothing about it. Does that right? How do you feel about that? If you were a player. Would you publicly say every time you got tested or make a point like, oh, my God, they tested me twice in a week? That's the whole point of random is that they randomly do this. So if you were taking something and then you knew when the test came and they got you to take it and you were clean, they test you a couple of days later just to check. That makes sense to me. But it seems like it pisses people off. If you got nothing to hide, what are you worried about? Yeah, no, I know. I think it's just funny, I guess. I guess it's, it's just, hilarious. Yeah. I, I Would you social media post it if you got tested, if you were an athlete or you just um, like, do your thing and just get out of it and not make a deal of it? Yeah, probably get out of it. Not make a big deal of it for me. Yeah, me too. Like, who cares? You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but it just depends on the individual, I guess. All right, speaking of individuals, this story is the the, the story that keeps giving and the story that never ends. <laughs> Did the Astros use buzzing bandages, Joe? <laughs> uh, reportedly to relay pitches that were coming in. First, it was the trash can. Then the video. Then the, we saw the video come out. We heard the audio. Then there was a picture floating around yesterday I saw on social media of a guy sitting at a desk with all kinds of seeds there, and and, and it looked like a monitor there, and, and uh, they were, had some towels to cover up some stuff. Now we're taking it a step further even uh, to buzzing bandages, which would tip them on these pitches. Now, it is impossible for me, Joe, to try and predict what's going to come out of this. I don't know the answer. It seems to me that there are a lot of people that are saying that, yes, what the Astros did is bad, and yes, what they did is egregious, but there's not a lot of people that are are like debunking this. It seems like it's just very prevalent around the league with the stealing signs. I suppose that the commissioner is going to have to come in and, and do something. But what degree do you think that this happens? Do you think it's because draft pick is huge? If they were if they lost their uh, pick, it would be a, oh my god, it would be a disaster. Uh, but beyond that, is is there anything that's going to happen here? Commissioner probably has to do something. I think, but I don't. I know think how that's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be the draft pick. I think that's the message you send. You're right. It will be a disaster. It's tough for organizations like Houston to lose that. But if you're Houston, you trade a draft pick for a championship. Yeah, for World Series appearances. Yeah. So who cares? So everybody, you know what? And, and my other thing, and, and I guess I'll speak to this a little later on the program, perhaps, too. But, you know, the Houston organization in my childhood, I remember very vividly, you know, being a Mets fan growing up in Brooklyn and watching Mike Scott, who everybody mm-hmm. knew Mike Scott when he was on the Mets and he was trash. He goes to the Astros, and all of a sudden, he becomes the most dominant pitcher in the National League out of nowhere. And everybody knew that he was scuffing the ball. Everybody knew. So the ball itself was scuffed, and it was moving in places. You go back. I've I've seen these games a million times in my life. 
uh, where the ball the ball starts one way and literally looks like a Bugs Bunny pitch and it goes the other way. And baseballs don't do that. <laughs> it's normal baseballs, okay? So everybody knew he was doing it. They tried to stop it. They couldn't stop it. They beat him anyway. And I guess my point is this. Even if you know the ball's coming, whatever it is, you think someone's enhanced physically, you think someone knows it's a fastball, knows it's a slider. Yeah, there's an edge to it. You still got to execute. And at the end of the day, if you don't execute, you're not going to win games. You're not going to hit the baseball. So it's very easy. I can hit a 90 mile an hour fastball, but I can tell you right now, I cannot hit an 80 something mile an hour curveball to save my life. That's why I knew it was time for me to stop playing baseball. I knew it was over for me and I had to move on to other careers and other aspects of my life. Uh, but I, I don't get this out. You know, it's it's also about execution. It's it's unfortunate that all these stories are coming out. The bandages thing kind of made me laugh, though. Do you think this is true? <sighs> It's, it's so far bandages. But it's it possible. sounds like a Saved by the Bell episode. I'm not That's ruling out anything like. with this. It's crazy. I mean, it sounds like uh, Slater yeah, and Seth Morris got together and made like a whole they made a whole buzzing band system, and they're going to win the championship game with this. Kelly the Kapowski's baseline. involved too. Yeah, uh, Kapowski. thank goodness. I'll tell you, I'll watch if Kelly Kapowski's involved. There you go, Joe. There's your, there's your dream. All right, we'll be back with the two early fantasy football draft from 2020 coming up next. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you're playing Daily Fantasy Hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com is where millionaires are made. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe, we got Florida Man coming up in just a little bit. So that should be a fun segment. Some pretty good stories from the past week of uh, different Florida men doing crazy things. So before we get to that, Let's take an early look at what the 2020 fantasy football draft may look like in the first round, Joe. And when you're putting your black book together and I'm going to call it uh, May or June when you start doing this in a few months. uh, I I mean, I I think that the top is pretty clear for me, although there'll be some debate for sure. And then I feel like we're headed back into the old fantasy football days where the no running back theory, which you know, for me, for a few years there in PPR, seemed to be pretty good. There were a lot of great wide receivers, and you could just kind of piece together running back. But boy, that has not been the case this year. Really need to have those running backs doing well. And you could make the case having three guys in the top 15 or 20 at running back and win you a fantasy league, no matter who you have a wide receiver. But uh, Christian McCaffrey will be the first overall pick in every fantasy league next year, Joe, and it will not be close, barring something disastrous in the next few games. And I believe Dalvin Cook will be number two. And I, and I don't think that there can be any debate with that. I don't know why anybody would take uh, anybody except McCaffrey one and Cook two. So beyond that, 
where do we go from there as far as the first round of fantasy football in 2020? Because I think that you could make the case for a few players. I would make the case that Michael Thomas would be the third overall pick. But, you know, certainly I could understand if somebody went running back there as well. So how do you see this next year? I think you can make the case for Michael Thomas being the second overall pick. And the reason why is because if you look at the consistency in the in the the attrition at the running back position and the fact that Dalvin Cook has had a couple, not one, but multiple injured seasons, you can say, my God, what a great year. And then we can fall into this trap of like David Johnson has a great year and then he's hurt all the time. Well, is Dalvin Cook the guy that was hurt all the time for two years? Or is Dalvin Cook the guy that was a monster in 2019? I'm not saying you wouldn't take Dalvin Cook first. I probably still would. But I think you can certainly make the argument for Michael Thomas at two and then turn around and go back-to-back running backs in the second and third because I think the guys there will be that same Derrick Henry crop of running backs who are very steady with a high floor every week. And I think you'll take that kind of a core building because I think in the Black Book, we always focus very much on core building your rosters and understanding what that means and how you can get the best out of the first couple picks and lower your risk and raise your floor and raise the potential ceiling, especially in the NFL, where you're, you only have so many shots at this. It's not like baseball where it's a long season. It's a short season here. Um, but Michael Thomas is clearly the three, I think, at this point. I think he has earned that, and I think it's regardless of who's playing quarterback, and that's the ledge I'm going to go out on. I don't care if it's Teddy Bridgewater. I don't care if it's Drew Brees. I like Michael Thomas at three. And Barkley at four is who you have. I think Barkley and Zeke. I, I, think, I think he's got to show. I, I think Barkley has to show a little bit more in the next few weeks to be. I'll, I'll put him there now. I'm gonna. I'm going under the assumption that he's gonna play the rest of the year and he'll be a factor. I could see him slipping further here if he doesn't do anything in the next few games. I I, I cannot make the case for him being in the top three right now. It's difficult because is uh, the the passing game has changed so much for the Cowboys too. Where Ezekiel Elliott last year caught the ball a ton. And now the the really the flourishing of Amari Cooper, the emergence of Michael Gallup finally becoming the guy that people thought he could be, that has really, I think, changed Zeke's role in the offense a bit too. So the floor that we had in 2018 is not quite the floor you have in 2019 with Zeke in the full point PPR. That's why I think you would prefer Barkley to finish healthy and be that clear number four. But right now, I think four and five is very muddy. Um, I think you don't have a clear determination. If you had to pick right now, who would you take? I think you take Zeke, right? Probably. he's healthy. Yeah. yeah. I would kind of yeah. go that route to Zeke. Is, I, I, would, I would take the lesser guy in Zeke. Although I am, I am really anxious to see, you know, a healthy Barkley with Daniel Jones play and, and see what that looks like for an extended period of time. That would be nice. And I know your number six pick, this is going to be one that's going to be debated, I think, all offseason. Yeah, Lamar Jackson is going to be a first round pick in fantasy. It's just a matter of how high you take him. I mean, I don't care that he's a quarterback. I've seen enough. I have him on a team. I just I mean, the rushing yards, if that doesn't change, Joe, I don't care. I, I got to take him in the first round. And and it's not like rushing yards like he's he's running out there and sliding. He's out there breaking tackles. He's out there making guys look stupid and missing. It's it's not like you're normal. Oh, this guy, is, he's a rushing quarterback, and then he gets the first down and he slides. Nope, not Lamar Jackson. He sees the end zone, and he's going to continue to go for it. And I also that scares the hell out of some people, but he looks really good doing it. I'm not, I don't know right. why I'm less afraid with Lamar Jackson than I am with, say, Robert Griffin a couple of years ago or guys like that. Yeah, he's got to be in there. Um, after that, I have Aaron Jones at seven. Nick Chubb at eight, 
Alvin Kamara, who could rise way back up high, depending on the, the next few games. But for now, I'll put him at nine. I have Josh Jacobs at 10. Hopkins, I threw in there. I'm going to assume the next six games are going to are going to be real good for him. I, I don't know what's going on this year, but I still like Hopkins a lot. I'm going to I'm going to think the best of him. And then I have Carson backing off on the uh, on the end of the first round. I think Carson has shown enough to be a first round pick in fantasy. Any any difference of opinion here on any of these? Uh, you know, the Lamar Jackson one's a fascinating one, because if you do get him at six right in the middle of that draft, I think then you can continue to build a pretty good core off that. I think that that would allow you to probably take a, a pretty decent running back. I'm trying to think, you know, like, come the, like you might get a Melvin Gordon, you know, kind of guy in the second round. I feel like that's in the Derrick Henry, who I mentioned earlier, those type of players. And then in the third round, you're going to get a wide receiver, probably of the Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs variety would be my guess. And that's not a bad start to a team. I think that's pretty good. It's difficult in a single quarterback league as great as Lamar Jackson is because you say to yourself, well, I can get Josh Allen in the seventh round, who is a really good fantasy yeah, quarterback. That's a, that's a fair point. I, I guess at the end of the year, we have to look uh, at the total amount of points that Jackson outscores Mahomes from yes, last year. Well, ding, ding, ding. And that's why relative position value in the black book is so beautiful, because that's going to tell you just what kind of advantage you're getting. Now, also keep this in mind. If you take Lamar Jackson out of that pool and the rest of it really congeals together very easily, it tells you that much like the Rob Gronkowski advantage you would get in tight end, it's not something worth chasing necessarily because only one team has that separator. And in this kind of a format, you're only playing against that team maybe once or twice in the season, depending on how the schedule works out, how many teams are in your league and all that. Um, so keep that in mind. If if this was Roto baseball, that's an advantage you have of a player all year, like the, the you know the Mike Piazza catcher type advantage you used to get. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's a big difference between football where there's only one guy with that advantage and the rest of the group congeals together. I don't really press for that. I think you're going to see Lamar Jackson right now in this conversation. I think by the time everybody breathes on it, you'll probably see him in the second round. But I'll tell you what, man, it's it's certainly understandable if you want to go and you want to take that advantage. And I'll tell you where I would do it in a 10-team league. In a 10-team league, I would do this, and a lot more people play in 10-team leagues than we realize. But there is far easier replacement value at running back and wide receiver that you can get at depth and you can go out there with Lamar Jackson. And all of a sudden, even though there's even less quarterbacks out there in the field, I'm telling you right now, having Lamar Jackson every week in a 10-team league, it's easier to get the other guys you need. I have no arguments with Aaron Jones and Chubb. I will take Jacobs over Kamara just because I feel like Jacobs is the offense. Does that make sense? Like I think it does. It does. I'm I'm trying. If I'm trying to, I I believe Kamara will pick it up here in the last few games. So I'm. I hope so. I'm holding out hope for that. Um, and then yeah, Hopkins and Carson. Uh, I'll I'll take uh, Mike Evans at the end there. I'll put him. See, see, I I I thought about. Yeah, I thought about it a lot, and I decided there's no way that with a new quarterback that that he's going to have the same numbers. I just don't think so. Yeah, that's fair. From a fantasy perspective, and I do think Arians will make whoever is there uh, fantasy relevant because of the amount of bombs they throw. And but but look, Tampa's defense has to get better next year. It can't be worse. Their pass defense it cannot be any worse. And there's no way that more targets can be coming for these two wide receivers. So I have to downgrade Evans. And if they end up 
with Jordan Love or they end up with a rookie quarterback starting or even a retread that starts the season and someone else, I think it's not going to be good for them. It's so, difficult uh, to take Carson over Julio Evans. I know Tyreek Hill has been hurt a lot this year, but in the full point PPR, and I, I'm not taking anything away from Chris Carson. He's been terrific, but it, it's definitely difficult. But look, you're at the turn, so you're able to get Carson and one of these guys. Yeah, you so, can take somebody else. Yeah. So I actually, I'll, I'll reverse course on that. I'll take Carson and then whatever the best of the wide receivers are right there at the turn, and I'll yeah. go that way. You could also double up, take Evans yeah. and Julio, and that's really something quite good, and then take two running backs after that. On yeah, the third Henry's in the conversation. Le'Veon Bell, no matter what you want to say, he's in the conversation in the second round, too. There's a lot of other guys that'll be there. And by the way, there'll be a rookie running back that'll end up somewhere, too, that may end up in a really good spot. And so potentially we can look at that. My thing for Julio Jones who I love and is, has been great for a long period of time. It's like every year that we get deeper into the age is every year that I start to you know, push a guy down, you know? So that's, that's kind of my thinking behind that. But uh, look, I think, I think Julio is in a great situation and I think that he could have a good year next year too. Atlanta, you know, uh, provided Matt Ryan is back there, which I think is probably a 70, 30 proposition, but I wouldn't rule that out either. Again, some of these guys are getting older. They're changing their ideas and they're changing their philosophy. So we'll mm-hmm. have to see what happens. Well, look All at right. Um, too. Another guy too. 65 catches already this year. Six, well, six, seven. Listen, Eckler's had a great year. No matter what he does, he's going to be good. I think they'll move on from Gordon Eckler will be there. Maybe they'll, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the other, he's got more catches than CMC right now. A lot of people don't realize that. Wow. Yeah, Jackson, the other kid they have there could end up being the starter. I could see that for sure. And him succeeding with Eckler being the uh, the 50-50 guy. Absolutely could see that next year. All right, uh, time for Florida, man. We'll hit that next. Don't go away. season is now upon us and you can become the eighth person to win one million dollars in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And now it's time on Fantasy Sports Today to see what's going on in the Sunshine State with Florida Man. And welcome back. It is Tuesday, and you know what that means if you've been listening to Fantasy Sports Today here for the last few months. It's time to dive into some stories with Florida Man. And what this means is that we're going to take a look at some stories of people in the state of Florida just basically doing dumb things. And uh, we're going to go through them here. A lot of them, unfortunately, are arrests. A lot of them are, unfortunately, dumb and put you in jail. And some of them are crazier than others. But I do think we have a nice list of stories today to review and mortify Joe Pizzapia for never moving to the state of Florida. By the way, it is a nice, uh, cool 70 degrees today in the state of Florida as well. All right. So we got the good weather. We got the bad people. We start off with the first story. (laughs) A Florida man. You're now entering Florida. We've got good weather and bad people. I feel like that's on the sign. It's it's on every sign, Joe. It's on every sign. 
Uh, okay, and good bagels. All right, here we go. A Florida man has finally figured out what a belly button is actually good for, stashing drugs. Martin, a 41-year-old, was arrested Saturday <laughs> after he showed up at a Clearwater McDonald's with a loaded needle. The smoking gun reports. He was transported to jail. They did a full body search. Despite telling officers he had no additional contraband, a jail deputy found a baggie filled with meth wedged deep into the belly button cavity of the 380-pound man. According to the police report, they found the drugs. He said, I was just being dumb and not thinking, and he received two more felony charges. What a great way to start off uh, Florida man here today, Joe. Yeah, well, the worst part is I click on the link here and I got to look at this guy's belly button. I see his face and the mugshot and then his belly button, look, which looks eerily similar to that thing in Star Wars in uh, Empire Strikes Back, you know, where they hide the Millennium Falcon where they're being chased in the asteroid field. Oh, yes, field. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, the I'm Sarla- pretty sure. Was the, the, oh, that's not the Sarlacc. The Sarlacc. No, no, the Sarlacc no, no, is no. Return of the Jedi. That, was, that's the that thing got Boba that Fett. Yeah, that got Boba yeah, Fett. Yeah, yeah. Well, but th- that's basically kind of what it looks like. I feel like he, at any moment, the Millennium Falcon's going to fly out of this thing. Uh, and he's probably got those weird creatures living inside of it. And I had to look at this guy's face and this guy's belly button. Um, it's gross. Thank you for sharing this. Um, so he's at yeah, McDonald's. No that's what I'm here for. Yeah, I know. You, you, I want to understand this. Like, I don't like, any, like if you put your finger in your belly button, it feels weird. What does it feel like to have it stuffed with meth? I don't How want to weird think about is that? it, but it is part of the story. It's it's ugly. It's, it is the story. Uh, I love his quote. I was being dumb and not thinking. No, I think you were thinking. You had a thought. I'm going to hide this meth in my belly button. And uh, I just, you know, I've heard of people putting drugs in other cavities. But the belly button, I guess you have to be a 380-pound man to get a certain oh, amount yeah. of meth in there. If he was a smaller man, maybe this is not such a good hiding place. No, it is not. But it just uh, goes to show you, those of you who are listening out there, if you're going to hide the meth, probably don't put it in the belly. What if he had an Audi? This whole thing would have been busted right away. It would have been over very quick. What do you do? Are you having any or an Audi, Mish? I bet you're an any kind of guy. I get you're an any. Yeah, me too. That's like normal people. I don't know those Audi people. So what's that all about? I don't know, Joe. You want to do a deep dive? Uh, (laughs) Let's not use the word deep dive with this segment, okay? (laughs) All right. Second story. Florida man arrested Friday evening for punching a Little League baseball umpire in the face. Alberto (laughs) Ramos, 22 years old, was attending a nephew's baseball game at the Lakeland Highlands Babe Ruth baseball field. A disagreement with an umpire turned physical. According to the report, he disagreed with the umpire. uh, And so after the game, he met the man at the park's clubhouse to complain. He screamed at the umpire, at which point he was asked to leave the ballpark. He responded by yelling that he would kick his bleep and then punch the umpire in the face. Punch uh, cut the umpire's lip, broke one of his teeth. The sheriff's officer arrested 22-year-old, charged him with one count of felony battery of a sports official. He's out on jail. $1,000 bond. Uh, Little League League will bring out the best and the worst of people, Joe. And uh, glad that hasn't happened in my uh, league this year. But needless to say, uh, this man is probably severely embarrassed after this uh, stupid thing that he did. In Florida. You think he's embarrassed? I don't feel like this guy's embarrassed. And like he I don't feel like he's embarrassed. I feel like he thinks he was right. I feel like this is what's wrong with this person. He's arguing about a little league ball and strike call. Even if it was like the game, like it's little league, you loser. I'm very glad, though, because when he started reading this and said a Florida man was arrested Friday evening for punching a little league baseball umpire, I said, please don't be Craig Mish. Please don't be. <laughs> <That's all I laughs> Please don't be me. You. I'm the coach. I would never punch the up. 
Well, it just says Florida man was arrested for punching an umpire. Didn't say he was a coach. Didn't say he was didn't a fan. Say, just said a man yeah. and an umpire. You are a man. There's umpires out there. Uh, do you even as a Little League coach give the umpire crap at all? Because isn't the umpire 9 out of 10 uh, probably just like an 18-year-old kid who's yeah, trying to make extra I, side I, I try not. I try not to. There's been a couple calls this year that I think that the ump was wrong on, but I, I don't make a huge deal out of it. Some other coaches do. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not it's a such a bad there. it's such a bad look as a representation for the kids. Like, what are you teaching the kids there? You know, are you are you teaching them that it's okay to give crap to a 16 year old kid who's trying to make some extra cash umpiring a game on the side so he can afford to put gas in his car so he can exactly, maybe go man. on a date with his with his pimply face like that? That's what he's trying to do. He's out there in the heat wearing a stupid mask trying to call balls and strikes for your kid's game getting paid probably $10 an hour. I mean, it's not like this guy's making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't, I don't understand this at all. I don't, I will never understand why these loser parents and relatives sit there at kids, softball, baseball, football, whatever games and harass the referees. These I are agree. games that mean nothing. They don't mean anything. They're not professional games. Ugh, I know. The worst. I know. All right, let's uh, go to Fort Pierce here, which is uh, about an hour and a half away from me. Man, this is a good one. Man is facing a misdemeanor drug charge after he told police that the wind blew a bag of cocaine into his car. According to a uh, Fort Pierce police officer, 37-year-old Zach was pulled over. And uh, police say he made movements in an attempt to throw something away from the center console. But when police approached Zach's car, there was an open Budweiser can. He was seen at the Reno Motel drinking and holding that bag of a white substance, according to the arrest report. So, uh, Joe, when in doubt, if you're getting pulled over and you got drugs in the car, you should not don't claim it's not yours. Claim that the wind blew it in. That's a great one. Look, Craig, if I had a nickel for every time I was just driving around town and an eight ball of cocaine just flew into my car, I, I mean, know, I, I would have I would be a millionaire. I would be I would be a very rich man. Everybody knows the perils of driving with the windows open and how drugs can get into your it car happen. in that it way. Happen. It happens all the time that you can get flying marijuana. You can get flying crack. You can get flying. Flying uh, crack is a very popular in uh, in uh, huge in Broward huge. County. Very yes, popular. and I know the parts of Ohio where flying opioids are very popular. You just you're just driving yeah. all of a sudden, boom! Just opioids just dropping just car. That's why car. I don't have a. That's why I don't have a convertible because of all the hassles of all the drugs that fall into my car. Makes sense. Um, this is this is this is a winner. This is definitely like a top ten one right here. This guy. I think so too. Yeah. I wish this was on camera of him trying to explain the story. The elaborate story of how the 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 drugs flew into his car automatically. That's that's pretty amazing. Flying flying drugs are are more. Usually, more you take the drugs and then you're flying. Not so much the flying drugs. Yeah, exactly. Very well said by you. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Very well said. Nah. All right. Uh, final story of the day, and this is didn't happen in Florida, but happened to a Florida man. So I'm trying. Oh, this happened in Houston. Okay, but a Florida man in Houston lost his way. But once he was found, he wound up in jail after a routine criminal history check revealed he was a wanted man. Wade McNutt, (laughs) 30 years old, he left his hunting party. He left his hunting party to hunt alone around 5 a.m. Wednesday in a heavily wooded area in uh, Houston, several miles north of U.S. 90. 
According to investigators, McNutt and his hunting party were to meet back at their camp at 4.30 p.m. After he didn't return, his friends assumed that he was lost. They called authorities at 10 p.m. and they started a search. And um, and then all of a sudden they brought the game wardens in, the sheriff deputies looking for the hunter. The sheriff's office also used their unmanned drones for a heat sensing device on board to find the hunter. They couldn't do it. But about three o'clock on the following day on Thursday, McNutt was located a few miles north of a hunting camp in East Houston, and he was in good physical condition. And there was uh, no timetable and no information how he made it through the night. But then they did a criminal check on the guy and found out that he was wanted. Guess where? In the state of Florida on an outstanding felony warrant for grand theft. He was immediately taken into custody and transported to Liberty County Jail, where he will be held for Florida authorities. So, so Joe, was he tr- uh, yeah, yeah, I would say, was he trying to disappear? Like, was this the plan? Like, this was this was his plan. I'm going to go on a hunting trip. I'm not. I'm I don't think disappear. it was. I think he just got lost, but uh, he didn't realize that getting lost and on a you know having a warrant out for your arrest, you better find yourself quick, or you're going to end up back in jail in Florida. You know, the best thing about this is. I know it's a radio show here, so you don't have the visual that I have because I have the mugshot of this guy up here. And whatever is in you your got, head, you the McNutt. I, <laughs> funny, the McNutt was actually not the guy at McDonald's putting the, the meth in his meth? belly button. Yeah. That would have been, I mean, that guy is a McNutt of a different kind. But whatever you have in your head of Wade Allen McNutt, I think that you would not be disappointed when you saw the mugshot. I think that is quintessential wade allen mcnutt when you see him he looks like a guy who was probably second in command under charles manson he has this kind of a feel that's strong right right i I mean i mean if you're like he's one of two things he's either a relief pitcher or he's a guy that's in the manson (laughs) family this is this this is the chasm 1979 tops reliever yeah he's a definitely 1979 tops reliever 100 percent wade mcnutt or I, you know, I bet if I go to baseball reference, I can find a Wade McNutt. You probably could. You probably could. He was a backup catcher on Seattle in 1982. I'm going to put Wade McNutt stats. Yeah, probably, probably pops up. All right, so that's our Florida Man segment for today, folks. Any suggestions for us, let us know at Craig Mish at Joe Pizapia 17 at FNTSY Radio. Coming up next, we've got the best of the first hour of our show, and then I'll set you up for hour number two. We'll do some true or false in fantasy. We'll take a look at some quarterback futures, latest in the MVP. Also touch on a little bit of baseball. Hot stove is uh, is kind of underway, although the GM meetings are over. Uh, but tomorrow's actually a big day for baseball. Uh, for those of you who pay uh, very close attention, tomorrow is the final day for Major League Baseball teams to determine who's going to be on their 40-man roster. So there will be players who you've heard of and you drafted in fantasy last year who probably are coming off bad years that teams will actually let go and sign with other teams. That could happen potentially as soon as tonight, maybe even tomorrow. We'll talk more about that uh, on uh, Thursday show, probably. All right, so uh, don't go anywhere. Best of first hour next. And then we're back for hour number two. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today here on FNTSY Radio. It is Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia here with you on the show. Sean Guastamaki producing. We'll take a quick time out. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with our best of hour one right after this. Don't go away.
NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. Man, this is a good one. Man is facing a misdemeanor drug charge after he told police that the wind blew a bag of cocaine into his car. According to a uh, Fort Pierce police officer, 37-year-old Zach was pulled over, and uh, police say he made movements in an attempt to throw something away from the center console, but when police approached Zach's car, there was an open Budweiser can. He was seen at the Reno Motel drinking and holding that bag of a white substance, according to the arrest report. So, uh, Joe, when in doubt, if you're getting pulled over, and you got drugs in the car, you should not, don't claim it's not yours, claim that the wind blew it in. That's a great one. Look, Craig, if I had a nickel for every time I was just driving around town and an eight ball cocaine just flew into my car, I, I mean, know, I, I would have, I would be a millionaire. I would be, I would be a very rich man. Everybody knows the perils of driving with the windows open and how drugs can get into your it car happen. in that it way. Happen. It happens all the time that you can get flying marijuana. You can get flying crack. You can get flying. Flying uh, crack is very popular in uh, in uh, huge in Broward huge. County. Very yes, popular. and I know there's parts of Ohio where flying opioids are very popular. You just you're just driving yeah. all of a sudden, boom! Just opioids just dropping just in your car. That's in why car. I don't have a. That's why I don't have a convertible because of all the hassles of all the drugs that fall into my car. Makes sense. Um, this is this is this is a winner. This is definitely like a top ten one right here. And we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Hour number two. If you're listening live. Or if you're listening on demand, this is FNTSY Radio, Craig Mish, Fantasy Sports Today.